Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hey, you, get in here. We got a show to do. And what a show we have for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is musician, actor, author. You know him from the E Street Band and the Sopranos. It's Stevie Van Zandt. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You go to my website, you click the link and join us. And our super fan shout out is for Kyle. Say hi to Kyle, everybody. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. How you doing, man? What's happening, Kyle? Kyle, that's Phil that he's made land. <laughs> no, I'm still floating on the water, but I'm near land. That's the good. There you go. He's near land. He's close enough to get his signal and he's here on this show. Yes. Good to see you, my friend. You too, pallies. And I would like to begin today's proceedings by saying that change is not a natural thing. All right. It's not. And I have proof to back up my theory. Phil, my friend, Phil, my lifelong pal is making changes. I'm very happy to the changes you're making, Phil. Thank you, sir. And I'll tell you what those changes are. Phil is doing TB12 because he thinks he's Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Never said that. Yeah. TB12 is Tom Brady's book. It's nutrition and it's an exercise program. So you bought the book. You're following the book and it's having great results. And uh, we were on the phone last week and Phil was telling me all about it. So I had to hit record. You guys listen to this. All right, Phil. Tape's rolling. What's happening? I'm down to 168. That's what's happening. That's great, Phil. I'm proud of you. Good for you, my friend. Yeah, and now I've got positional vertigo. You got, you got what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Phil. What now? This this proves mm. my theory that change is not natural. First of all, congratulations. You're down to 168, Skinny. This is great. Yes. <laughs> is that my new nickname? What the hell is positional vertigo? I don't know. Apparently, there's some kind of crystals inside your head, and they're, and they're not supposed to shift around. And when you hang upside down like a vampire, the crystals move, and then it causes vertigo, which makes the whole room spin. So that's what I had going on. It's a spinning room, basically. So wait a minute. You got, so, so because you're in another position, you, you've, you've, you've upset the crystals in your head. I've, I upset. Yeah, the crystals were very upset. They were, <laughs> they were yelling. They were upset. You know why? Because change is not natural. You are meant to be fat. <laughs> you know what i'm starting to believe you man that's why as soon as this is over i'm going to eat a pizza fuck this good for you uh adam yeah baby as you guys were talking i looked it up and i actually think phil may have something called psychological vertigo <sighs> and he needs what? to come home what is that it's uh, an occurrence <laughs> following being exposed to motion for a pro prolonged period such as when on a ship. Mm. Oh, so <laughs> it's all in your there. head. It's psychosomatic. It's it's a delusion. It's a, a mirage. I have I have an easier time believing that Phil is delusional rather than Phil is Tom Brady. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought this up because I was checking with Phil 
to see if it really was positional vertigo. Isn't it? It's, it's positional vertigo. Are you sure? Yeah, I did all the research, man. It's too coincidental. Well, all right. What does that mean now? Well, look, the crystals are in your ears, right? And remember you had the eye thing? That thing where you had to go for your eye? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, it could be a head tumor. You two are idiots. <laughs> yeah, lump me, lump me in with that. He's the. This is what he does. This is what he does. He puts this crap in my head. You put this crap in my uh, head, tumor. I'm just saying, you had a thing with your eye. You had a thing with your ears. That's in your head. There could be a tumor pressing on both. That's why I told you. I told you, like you know, can you smell? Okay. Well, this is what I'm going to do. Next, I'm going <laughs> to see what he does. Phil, I'm just concerned about you. That's all. <laughs> You're looking for material for the podcast. I'm not, looking for, I'm not looking for material for podcast. I want to keep you healthy because you got to play Sunday, Brady. You can't play if you got positional vertigo. This is a part of illusion. This is what he does. He makes me worry. I don't, I don't make you worry. I'm asking a simple question. You choose to worry because you're on a ship that moves and you're delusional and you got loose crystals in your head. Forgive me for being concerned. I got loose crystals and you in my head. That's who's in my head. Loose, loose crystals and you. That's who's in there. And you make me. Right. And you do. You be. It's all subliminal. <laughs> all right. Listen to this. Oh my god! I don't even know why I tell you this shit. I don't even know why I tell you anything. All right. All right then it's, it's positional vertigo. You know what the hell do I know? You know nothing. You know absolutely nothing. I don't know why you do this shit to me. I'm, just, I'm not asking for opinions or, or uh, diagnoses. I'm, I'm just. I'm telling you what it is. All right, fine. Well, then that's what it is. You got nothing to worry about. What the fuck? All right, look, let me ask you something. Has anyone in your family ever had an aneurysm? <laughs> See, this is the pro. This is what you do. You can continue to do this stuff. Phil, I was just getting some background on your family history. That's why I asked if there was an aneurysm. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm just had, probing. Can you just do me a favor, please? For the love of God, if, if there's any, if there's a speck of you that loves me, stop probing because that's just putting more shit in my head, man. Because I had three days at sea and I'm freaking out. I'm thinking about that. And then you know what happens? I get to port and now because my Aunt Angie, she died of an aneurysm. I call my cousin John John. Haven't spoke to the man in a decade okay a decade and i'm calling him up i'm like you know like like not like i want to see how he's doing and then i just kind of segue to listen remember how your mom died of that anger yeah they, like, he doesn't see that. this is what you're doing it's embarrassing john john listen did you notice the tb12 book in your mother's hand when she kicked? <laughs> okay i'm restating my position you both are idiots. <laughs> yeah, both. All right. You well, there's one more. <laughs> there's one more part I want to play. <laughs> of course. This now. You're an asshole. What? What's the matter now? What? Dude, I'm walking around the ship smelling everything based on the nonsense bullshit that you tell me. What are you, what are you smelling? First of all, there's no such thing as a head tumor. That doesn't exist. <laughs> You're in my head, not a tumor. You, you're in my head. <laughs> Fucking guy. 
<laughs> I, I, I'll tell you right now, Alex's theory is correct. You came to the conclusion on your own, Phil. You said it was psychosomatic. So my wife was right. Yeah. Okay. You should thank First her right all, now. I'm never telling you anything again. That's what I'm going <laughs> to Okay. Thank you, Alex. Adam, I'm never telling you anything again. Nothing. Well, I lose. I'm always, the, I always lose. I'm the loser. I lose. <laughs> You don't lose, Phil. This isn't a, a win or lose things. This this is this is just further proof of the theory that change is not a natural thing. All right. You're not meant to be thin. <laughs> change is hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and change is not a natural thing. And that's something that, uh, that that Stevie said during this interview. I had the best time with him. He's a great guy. And I really enjoyed this. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. Everything changes all of the time. Some, some of the changes are small. Some of the changes are really big. It can be frightening. It can induce a sense of anxiety very easily. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. This is how you spend your time. I got some stand updates for you tonight, December 16th. I will be at the Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Friday, December 17th and Saturday, December 18th. I will be at Levity Live in Nyack, New York. January 26th through January 30th. I will be at CB Live in Phoenix. There's a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And there's also a link in the show notes to my YouTube special called It's Scary in Here. It's free and it's funny. Thank you guys for all the love and support. Now, let's listen to Stevie Van Zandt. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a singer, songwriter, musician, producer, actor, activist, author, and he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know him from the E Street Band, The Sopranos, Lillehammer, and his new book is a memoir entitled Unrequited Infatuations. He's little Steven. He's Miami Steve. He's Silvio Dante. He's a disciple of soul, and he ain't going to play Sun City. I am very grateful he's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Stevie Van Zant. How are you, brother? <laughs> good, Adam. Good, good, good. Good to see you, my friend. Okay. It's a so I told my mom, I'm talking to you today. She goes, I think he's Napoli Don and Calabrese. Ask him. So <laughs> she is correct. She is correct. All right. Yeah. You, you guys, uh, you, Edie, uh, Michael, Imperioli, Sharifa, all you guys uh, gave me street cred with my mother. Uh, <laughs> she, she's like the queen of the day room now that I know you guys. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's i want to dive right into the book because i'm having such a good time it's called uh unrequited infatuations and and here's here's where i'm at stevie this this kind of came together last minute so i'm grateful for your time so i said send me 
uh, the book, but I wanted the audio book because I got I was on the road and I wanted to listen to it. Oh, yeah. So you've been my companion for three days. I've been driving around just listening to your book and I'm loving it because it's like a detective novel to me. <laughs> well, that's that's what I was hoping it would be, because, uh, you know, I didn't know what was coming next in my life. So mm -hmm. I wanted the book to read the same way. Like, you know, you really don't know where it's going, you know? Yeah. You got like this, this Mickey Spillane, Raymond Chandler thing. I lifted this from the overture uh, on this particular chilly December night in Greenwich Village. Our hero contemplates his fate. It's a vagrant winter and you can't sell consciousness. Fuck, Steve, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. <can> <laughs> but yeah. the, the structure of the book is and, and like you said, you don't know where your life is coming next. But one of the things I took from your is your willingness, your willingness to be open to what's in front of you. Does that make sense? Does that ring true? Yeah, because, you know, you got a plan. Everybody has a plan. Sure. And, of course, uh, uh, my plan, um, even with its, you know, little bumps in the road, pretty much uh, is the first half of the book. Um, you know, local uh, local kid from Jersey mm -hmm. makes it to the top of rock and roll, you know, which is which is a good story in itself. And, and I don't I don't mean to take that for granted, you know, mm -hmm. but um but that's the first half of the book. And then and then when I leave the E Street Band, now it becomes a complete mystery because uh, that's where my plan ended. You know, yeah. I never I never looked past making a living play in rock and roll, which was a miracle mm -hmm. in itself, you know, and uh, having just made it uh, a year before, you know, I leave the band, you know. Yeah. And um, so now now it becomes. Now, you now, now you're staring into the abyss and it's like there's there's no plan. And uh, and I think this is where the, the the book becomes a little bit more general, a little bit more uh, easily relatable to everybody, I think, because at that point, the themes become bigger and it's a it's a search for identity. It's a search for purpose in life and all, and all those things that everybody goes through. You know, Cause up until then, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Right. From when I was from when I was 13 years old. You know, uh, but after that, you know, at that point, it's it's a whole new ball game, and and I had no idea where 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 it was going, and I thought my life was over, frankly, you know, um, and I think there's a there's something useful in that, you know, in, in view of the fact that everything I've accomplished, I've accomplished since then, right. you know, after I thought my life was over, so I think that's something that maybe you know other people run into that that similar a similar kind of situation, you know. Yeah, I got that the, the message to keep going. But one of the things that struck me is when you're at the top of rock and roll. I mean, you're at the top of fucking rock and roll. And 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 so in what I how I interpret that, you got everything you wanted, your dreams, but you affected change. change you weren't thrown out of the band. It was your choice to leave. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it was, you know, it was it was it happened to be a perfect storm at the time of, of various things coming together, uh, you know, becoming obsessed with politics, mm -hmm. uh, being offered a solo deal. And then me and Bruce having uh, one of our, you know, three big, you know, fights, all of which I detail, you know, in the book. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, got very emotional there for a minute. And and, uh, and I felt the the best thing to do to keep our relationship together was to leave the band at that point, you know, right. and, and, uh, 
So, yeah, it was 100% my choice. It didn't really hit me. You know, everybody talk, tried to talk me out of it, of course. Um, but um, I, I did it anyway. And uh, it didn't really hit me for a minute uh, until I was on that flight to South Africa. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, the, what I had done, you know, I, I didn't just change jobs. I literally ended my life, you know. And, and you know, and it, it, it hit me finally like a ton of bricks at that point. You know? Right. I want to ask you this. When you say you ended your life, ended your life or killed, killed the idea of who you think of, of, of what you thought you wanted. How's that? Or what fulfilled your soul? Yeah, it was. Um, I know it's a, it's a big, it's a big question. It is. And, 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 and that's probably part of it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was um, what I thought of what I thought was myself or what I, what I thought, who I thought I was, uh, it was only partially true, I guess is yeah. the way to put it. Right. Yeah. It was my, it was my incomplete self. Yeah. And, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know it. I mean, I, I didn't, I had no idea. I had a whole part of my brain that could analyze political situations. I had no idea. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, I live in chaos, you know, I'm a totally, you know, <laughs> I'm a total screw up, you know, most of the time. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden I discovered a whole, a whole nother, you know, a whole nother gift that I never knew I had. So uh, that's the kind of thing that, that happens when, when you start to go off the path into the, into the, <laughs> into the adventure that we call life without, without the plan. You know, that's what, yeah. that's what happened at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you discovered that you had this thing, but to 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 be willing to sit in that uncertainty. Look, Steve, most human beings will choose unhappiness over uncertainty because it's fucking familiar. Yeah, that's the truth. I I understand that, too. That's that's you're not wrong about that. You know, it's just human nature, I guess. You know, I, I, I don't think, you know, change. I don't think change is a is a is a is a natural thing or a normal thing in 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 a way. You know, it's it's kind of a. It's an unnatural way to live and, and very insecure. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and, and I somehow had some kind of security my whole life um, that is, that's at the bottom of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, and I've tried to analyze it, you know, I think I, I tried to analyze it a little bit in the book, but basically it's, I think it just comes from that, from, from that first couple of years of your life when, um, my mother, you know, divorces my father. I'm like two or three years old. Now that's supposed to be traumatic and that's supposed to make you insecure. Right. right? But it had the opposite effect with me because I moved in with my Italian grandparents. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm the first grandchild. So guess what? You yeah. know, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the chosen one. From yeah. then on, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I got nothing but love, love, love. And I think, honestly, I, I know it sounds like, you know, armchair uh, psychoanalysis, but I, I really think that that, the love I got from that family, you know, aunts and uncles and, 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 and everybody who was around. Yeah. Made me secure in some kind of weird way that has never gone away, no matter what I'm involved with or, or just because I'm always jumping into new things, you know, learning, learning on the job. That's what I do. You know? Yeah. That's what uh, when I, I got that when I read the especially stuff you wrote about Big Mama. <laughs> that you, you had that, that 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 security and i was thinking to myself i had that too my issue steve was accepting it you know uh, it, 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 it's a self-esteem thing with me and but you just embraced it I, that, that's something i'm searching for yeah i, I you know i'm not so sure it's self-esteem right See, I, I i think that's two different things okay 
I'm not sure I got much of that. Really. <laughs> okay. You know, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I wish I had a little bit more of that. Right. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not crazy about myself. You yeah, know I mean, okay. I, I don't, I don't look in the mirror and say, Oh, that's, you know, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing we have here. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think that way. I really don't. Uh, you know, that's why the book, you know, I, I told my editor who was a terrific editor named Ben Greenman. I said, listen, man, I, I want a balance of three things here. You know, yeah, we got to do the narrative, obviously, mm-hmm. but I want, I want to have I want to have history because I've, I've I've witnessed everything except the first decade of rock and roll, right? And, you know, and and I want to do these crafts, and I you know I've been involved with about a dozen different crafts in my life, and I want to pass along my observations about the craft that maybe you know maybe that could be useful. So I want that balance between uh, the history, the narrative, and the craft, right? And of the three, the narrative is the thing I'm least interested in. Right. You know, I don't really care about me or my story as much as what I've observed, you know, what, what I've kind of been involved with. I think that's the interesting part of my life, you know, not not me. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of a I'm just kind of a vehicle for it or whatever. You know, I'm just kind of passing through here. But but, uh, but the things I've observed, I think, can be useful. And and really a lot of fun, Stephen. And I'll tell you why I, I'm loving the book so much is you lived and experienced uh, a period of time that just enchants me. I, you missed the first decade of rock and roll. I missed, I missed the second and I came in at punk and I'm like, Hmm, I know three chords, but I'm not that angry. <laughs> and I'm not shoving a pin through my face, so, but what you, what you did in the book that, that really resonated with me is you curated and articulated my feelings and specifically little Richard. You said this about Little Richard. When Little Richard opens his mouth, out comes liberation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He defined um, the art form right mm-hmm. there. You know what, what what the future art form would be. You know, it, it wasn't recognized as an art form yet, but but it would be. And um, and he he established that that very ex- important element of it, mm-hmm. which is not only not only can you uh, redefine yourself, it's, it's almost a prerequisite, mm-hmm. you know, to, to d- decide who you want to be and then go be it. This is an art form that embraces that, yeah. you know, that, that, that needs you to do that or else you're not going to, you're not going to be your complete self. You know, if you just kind of accept who you were born as and, and what society is offering you, you know, uh, you're not gonna be as as you're not gonna realize your potential doing it that way. You know, you got to be, you know, little Bobby Zimmerman in Minnesota saying, yeah. "Hey, man, I was born in the wrong place yeah. with, with the wrong parents, with, with the wrong name, and I'm, gonna, and, and I'm gonna fix it." You know, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the shit, man. Yeah. You know that. You know. Uh, and he, you know, he just made start making up stories about his past immediately. And, and you know, uh, that's what it's all about right there, you know, because, I, you know, I'm going to be a great whatever you want to be. You know, you're going to be a great songwriter. You want to be whatever you want to be. You're not born that. So you got to become it. Right. You know, right. you got to become you can't you know, you can't just be you got to become. Right. You know. And especially when it comes to, you know, getting to the craft stuff, which is, you know, 
greatness. It's all about greatness for me. You know, I've been chasing greatness my whole life. You know, I, I seek it out. I support it when I find it and I try to achieve it, but it takes development. It takes time. It, it takes focus. Yeah. I don't know how they're supposed to achieve greatness when, uh, you know, with all of these distractions and, uh, and that kind of, uh, everything has to be right now. You know, that, that, that instant gratification thing is take gone, gone to a whole new level now. And, uh, you know, it makes me concerned and you can see what, what the result of it is. You look around, we're just all drowning in mediocrity everywhere you look. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, I mean, and I got ADD too, so I fight it every day, but I, the work is what's important to me. Even like the work when you started, so you met Bruce when you were kids and then you ran into each other at the Cafe Wa. Yeah. Because you were studying your craft, craft one, the bands. That's, That's the, right. By the way, Stephen, I used to play the Cafe Wa because it's right next to the comedy cellar. We used to open for the bands. It, ah, it, cool. I still cool. play the cellar, but they, I don't know if they do it at the Wa anymore. When you started working, you're talking about authenticity and, and the proliferation of the mediocrity in our current time. So Landau says, I've seen the future of rock and roll. It's Bruce Springsteen. Now you guys are playing the bottom line. I think you had four nights at the bottom line. Yeah, five. I, I think it was all week. Yeah, we had a week at the bottom line. And yeah. they came out. The, the, the people came out. Who the fuck is this guy? Because yeah. they came out to laugh. They came yeah. out to to scoff and to, you know, <laughs> to feel superior. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, um, yeah, because because John had said had said that. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't necessarily referring to, you know, the next big thing commercially necessarily. You know, I, right. I, I define I defined it. I defined it in the book. What I what I interpreted, which was which was here comes the third generation of rock and roll. And what they're going to do that's different is include all the art forms. Right. In, 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 you know, and integrate all the art forms into this new art form of rock, because we were the first generation to inherit the, the art form of rock. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the second generation were busy inventing it, you know, the British invasion in, in the 60s. You know, those guys and, 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 the, and the folk rock, you know, in all, the entire 60s was dedicated toward taking that thing from pop to rock. And we just, you know, we just we, we got to take it for granted. You know, we, we, we got to get it uh, already established. So how were we going to add to that? Mm -hmm. Well, Bruce added to it by by adding in, you know, literature and film and, you know, and, and all the other art forms that, you know, that, that could fit. And, and so um, it was a little bit, I think, a little, a little bit misinterpreted as a as a, you know, ego, you know, a, a statement of. of you know, we're going to be the biggest thing in the world, which wasn't necessarily what he meant. Right. You know, what he meant was we're going to be the, we're going to be artistic in a whole different way. But people came anyway to to put us down and and we blew their minds because, you know, yeah. at that point we, we had already been playing for 10 years. You know, we weren't the average new band, uh, you know, coming out of coming out of uh, the suburbs. We were we were you know, we had we had made our bones, you know, years for years. And and uh, so we really we got a chance to blow people's minds at that yeah. point. It was and I saw you. I mean, you, and you, your shows were long. They were I always consider them kind of like gospel because you had piano and an organ. That's right. And and That's you right. guys played for like three. I remember sitting there screaming, Bruce, screaming for you guys. And then looking at my watch going, hey, Bruce, I got to go to work in the morning. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> play Rosalita and let me go home for Christ's sake. Let's go. Clarence, blow the horn. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you leave, so you leave the E Street Band. You're trying to find yourself. You 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 heed that inner call to be more, to be great, and then you drive a stake through the heart of apartheid. Well done, Van Zant. Yeah, yeah. It was just I think I think this good timing, you know, for mm. once in my life, actually. And I, and I think the fact that I had had nothing else, you know, I, I had nothing to lose, nothing else to do. Right. I was able to really, really focus on, on that particular subject at that moment of South Africa, because it was just one of it was just one of a dozen things I was I was talking about mm. in my work already. And uh, and the four of us hooked up without Danny Schechter. Nobody would have known about it. Without Arthur Baker, uh, it was his phone book, you know, mm-hmm. that got all those artists there. And um, and without Hart Perry uh, doing the video, um, nobody would have ever seen it or heard it because right. radio wouldn't play it. You know, we only, the, only, the only play we got was on MTV yeah. and uh, BET, you know. So uh, so it was really the four of us, uh, e- e- all equally important, that pulled that off. What I admired uh, in your, first of all, you're fighting injustice. I love you already. And in your execution of your your choice, you said you wanted to keep the musical family together. You know, you're like, okay, they played Sun City. Now, you know, you got to pay. Everyone gets a pass. All right. Right. Paul Simon had an issue uh, that you talk about in the book. He's like, well, maybe I know better. Really, Cecilia? Okay. So. (laughs) But it's that that awareness of others that awareness of, of humanity that i admire in you you did it in in when when you did um uh, the the album and, and and actually addressed apartheid you also did it in the sopranos when you said i don't want to take another actor's job yeah it was very it was kind of up until that moment it was just kind of a kind of surreal you, you know yeah. i mean somebody calls and says you want to be in my new TV show? And, you know, and I'm like, sure, you know, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll give it a shot. Right. You know, and I really, I really wasn't, it, it wasn't, that I, I was, it wasn't that I wasn't taking it seriously. Cause I, you know, I, I did, I did, uh, I did a, the, the amount of research I could do in, in that, in that, you know, two hours or mm-hmm. two, two days, you know, but, um, but I really wasn't, uh, it didn't really hit me, like I said, until I looked up uh, during the uh, during the uh, table read mm-hmm. before the uh, you know that's that's when it really hit me when I looked up and saw Johnny Ola sitting across from me. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a whole this is this is a trip, man. Yeah. You know? But but um, but yeah, at a certain point, uh, uh, David says, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, yeah, I mean, I my, you know, I said, I see, I see what my wife goes through. My wife's a real actor. She. Yeah. She took classes for years, you know, and uh, with really serious people and, and uh, does off Broadway, off off Broadway. And she's doing all of these things and, and classes and scenes with people. And and, uh, and I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm just coming off the street. I, I don't feel good about taking a job. So he says, all right, I'll, I'll write you in a part that doesn't exist. So that yeah. was you know. that. I mean, that that I, I was like, that's the through line of what I got from the book is is your humanity. Uh, is is really something that I responded to, and and I want to just I want the audience to know the whole story. I, and if I and correct me if I'm, I'm not saying it correctly, you were inducting the the Rascals into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. True. David Chase is watching that, looks at you and thinks, "There's Tony." Not even, not even watching that, clicking around with the remote. Right. 
this is how destiny played a role here and happened to see the rascals. There's like a little montage. They do a video, mm-hmm. a video montage before, before the induction of every artist. Right. They happened to catch the rascals montage. He's like, what's the rascals doing on TV? You know, you know, and said, stopped and stopped clicking at that point. <laughs> and then on, and on I came. Yeah. And then, and he had to chase you. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was no way to find me. I, I had no record company. I had no publicist or anything like that. Uh, I was out there in the wilderness, man, walking my dog. That was it, you know? And they found me through the corporate papers of my foundation at the time. Um, and and um, tracked me down and says, you know, you want to be in my new TV show? And I was like, wow, that's so nice of you. And uh, what a compliment. But no, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what do you mean? No, I said, uh, look, I got one little problem here. I'm not an actor. You know, <laughs> isn't that like a requirement for this business that you're in? Uh, you know, and he says, oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. You're an actor. Believe me, it's my job to know these things. You're an actor. You just don't know it yet. So come on down. And I honestly, I said, well, you know. It's uh, it's sad or walk the dog. So I'm right. going down. You know? Yeah. And, but I tell you, you did a great job. And what I read in an interview that you did uh, is it felt natural to you to be consigliere and underboss. Usually those are two different people, but you were one guy because you you played that role for years with Bruce. Yeah. And I, I think the most fascinating thing of all, and, and, and I don't think this is in the book. I, I just kind of discovered this doing doing these interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, here's David Chase, the most detailed guy in the world, you know, Mr. Authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody ever questioned a single thing he wrote. It was amazing. Uh, He he creates like 15 interesting characters, all of whom could have their own show. Mm -hmm. I'll see you later. Um, and, uh, and, and, And doesn't create that role. Now, this is really, really weird. Okay. Because it's an important role in, in, in any mob family. All right. It's, it's, you know, and like you said, sometimes it's two different guys. Sometimes it's the same guy, but either way it's, it's, you know, the second most important role in, in any mob family. I mean, you know, read any mob book and, you know, and, and, and you will learn that. And yet he didn't create a role, you know, he didn't create that role for yeah. anybody. Now, isn't that really bizarre? You know, so here I come now. Now, my first thing, oh, my dog just woke up. Because, <laughs> um, um, you know, you know, once we once, you know, he said, what do you want to do? And, and, and uh, I'll, I'll write you in a part. I said, well, I, you know, I never I never intended to be an actor, but I but I but I did want to be a writer and, and, uh, and maybe a director someday. So I had written, I had written some treatments and I said, I had to try, I had a treatment about, about a guy, uh, Silvio Dante, who was a retired hitman who had a club, like a Copacabana club. He kind of lived in the past set in present day, but he lived in the past and it was you know, like, you know, big bands and Jewish cats killed comics and, sure. uh, uh, you know, dancing girls and, and that whole, you know, the whole schmear. Right. And uh, and so he said, well, that's interesting. Let me let me go back to HBO with that. And uh, 
came back a couple of days later, says, eh, we can't afford it. So we'll make it a strip club, you know, <laughs> and so, but, but that was it though. You know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm going to run the club for the family, you know, and then, and then, and then the family, you know, we'll have the, the back room as sort of the, you know, the office, you know, the social club. Right. And, and, but, and that was about the extent of, of the thought because, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a new idea. It was a new character and that's about as far as we thought it out. Right. You know, I, I then for my own benefit wrote a whole biography of the guy just so I would have some kind of, you know, some kind of guardrails <laughs> about <laughs> what, what, what is, what this guy was. And, um, and I had, and I had written, you know, uh, that they had grown up him and Tony Soprano had grown up together mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, and he kind of grew up watching his back and, and uh, uh, you know, they grew up as best friends and, uh, you know, not even thinking about our age difference because, you know, in my mind, I'm, you know, I'm 25 all the time, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, I just got to avoid mirrors, you know, uh, you ain't alone, brother. I'm not going to make a good adult. <laughs> so uh i i don't know you know and i and i and i gave that biography to the writers you know i don't know if they picked up on that or if david chase picked up on me and jimmy bonding off set which we did i think i think based on the fact that neither one of us was really uh inclined to be the the, the front man you know to, mm-hmm. to be the star he was really a character actor at heart i think and uh and i was a side man and, and i liked it that way you know neither one of us really needed that spotlight or, or, or craved it. And yet we would rise to the occasion when we had to, we both, we both did that. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe with the bond of our friendship and maybe David Chase picked up on that. I don't know, but by the end of, I don't know, by the end of the first season or into the second season, suddenly that vacuum of no consigliere, you know, right. no underboss, you know, I just kind of drifted into it. It was just, it's really bizarre when you, when you think about it, cause that was, it was not written that way. Yeah. It was, it, it was, uh, it looked very natural and your relationship with, uh, uh, on, on screen looked very natural. And I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that you guys kind of bonded off screen. I got to spend a, a little time with him. Um, and, uh, I liked, he was one of those laughs I liked to get. I only, you know, a couple of times, but every time I made him laugh, it made me feel good. He enjoyed to laugh whenever I was with him. I thought, uh, "Oh no, he's just the greatest guy in the world." We we were uh, we were gonna do a lot of things. We were gonna we were gonna open a restaurant. We were gonna open a club. We were gonna. Uh, uh, I, I wrote a scene for. He was gonna. He was gonna be in Lilyhammer uh-huh. <laughs> in a dream sequence. You know, uh, you know, we, we we had all kinds of plans, and uh, I, I miss him every day. I, you know, I really do. And, and of course, the industry. He was just getting started. I mean, I think he would have been one of the great actors of all time. I mean, he already, he already yeah, yeah. was, but, but uh, just barely getting started. You know, yeah. such a, such a tragedy. I got to ask you about the Adriana scene when you had to mm. take Adriana out. Cause that was, man, David Chase was right. You're a fucking actor. That's the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, you know, cause you know, we, we, um, I had to make up my own philosophy of acting because I, you know, I had to. And, uh, and what I came up with was every, every human being has every other human characteristic inside them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the acting craft is finding the characteristics that are appropriate for your character. 
and then you know bringing them to life and, and, and inhabiting those those characteristics you know mm-hmm. um and um you know for the most part no matter how uh, crazy it gets uh they're, they're not too hard to reach you know you know the the um, again, it's part of, part of the craft is, is reaching some of the more difficult characteristics that you you're not natural are not natural to you, mm-hmm. you, you know. And that was a particularly tough one because I I hate bullies. I despise bullies with a passion. You know, testify. That, you know, and, and that's you know that was the whole basis of the South Africa thing, and, and you name it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, almost everything I've ever done is based on taking bullies down and, and, uh, and I, you know, and I hate people who beat up women and I, and, and I hate anybody who's, you know, stronger taking advantage of somebody who's weaker and all of that. And I just, you know, it really, really bothers me. So I really had to dig for that job of, you know, I had to beat her up for like two straight hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she's such a great actor. Of course, she's like, don't, don't take it easy. You know, uh, it's going to be my last scene, obviously. Yeah. So let's make it good. You know? So I had a, you know, it, you know, obviously shooting it was, 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 you know, that's shooting people is, is, is nothing, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, you know, putting your hands on her, dragging her out of the car, you know, and all of that, uh, really tough, really tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the scene worked and I'm sure that, that, that Drea brought a bunch of emotion to it because it was her last scene, you know? So, yeah. And she won, I think she won, she won the, uh, yeah. She won the, you know. Yeah. So, Can I ask yeah. you about about uh, uh, fighting with David Chase about the last song? <laughs> it's a friendly fight, you know. Yeah, I mean, fight's too strong a word, but right. we were going at it because <laughs> <laughs> you know he loves he loves that part of of, of the of the job. I'm mm. telling you right now, if he had a choice to yeah. do nothing else, he would do just that. Yeah, you know. I'm surprised he wasn't, a, you know, didn't become a music supervisor <laughs> because, you know, he got he got on the wrong path somewhere along the way, you know. But uh, um, but he just he just loves doing that, and we had a reputation, mm-hmm. thanks thanks to him, uh, exclusively to him, of of just the coolest music yeah. of any show like ever, you know, very obscure things, almost entirely obscure things, you know, Otis Redding album tracks and you know johnny thunders and you know mm-hmm. just you know odd kinks songs from the kinks and you know just you know uh really interesting uh and odd choices and you know and he, and he wants to end with journey i'm like well, dave you can't do this you can't do this. <laughs> you, can't, you can't you're gonna ruin you know 10 years of work <laughs> <laughs> Seven seasons of a reputation is going to go down the drain, you know. I mean, uh, you know, and nothing wrong with Journey, of course. Right. They're, they're wonderful and one of the great singers, and uh, you know, and, and you know, yeah, nothing, nothing. I'm not, I'm not making a quality statement about Journey. It's just that you know, they were huge, yeah. And 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 by doing that song, you know, it came back on the charts, yeah, and so and sold like another million, yeah, on top of the. 10 million it had already sold. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh man, you know. What song so- did you want? I, I I had four I suggested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had suggested uh, The Devil Came from Kansas, uh, 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 an obscure Proko Harum song. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 
I, I described uh, a pretty ballerina, which would have been a juxtaposition kind of a song. Right. Uh, Darkness, Darkness from Young Bloods. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty ballerina was the left bank and, and uh, loose ends, which um, not knowing how he was going to end it. it right. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that might've been a little bit too, too on the nose, right. I guess. but you know, but uh, I ended up using it. Uh, I used it to, I think, end uh, the Lilyhammer series. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, just, it would have been, I think four interesting choices that uh, would have been, just a little different, you know, but in the end, he's like, Hey, I know who, I know who this character is. I invented him. Remember? Okay. <laughs> and, and that's the song he would have played. All right. That's the song he would have played. Yeah. He's a classic rock guy. You yeah. know, you know, what I wanted to ask you about the book, cause I'm real, I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, you've been my companion that I'm enjoying just driving around. It's like, it's like one to stake out cause I'm a 12 year old Steve. Um, <laughs> Steven, I'm not making up. I'm driving around. My wife called me up because you're coming home. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> He's in Africa under a blanket. <laughs> I can't come home yet. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah. That is yeah. great. That's great to hear, really. <laughs> but one of the things I wanted to ask you, I think it was Kierkegaard said, you live your life forward and you learn by looking back. After doing this book, what'd you learn? Well, I'm, I must say I'm a little bit easier on myself on, on some of the, the mistakes I thought I made, mm-hmm. you know, because all my life I'm like, geez, I wish I could have done both. You know, I wish I could have stayed in the band and done, you know, seven solo albums and the Sopranos and mm-hmm. Lily Hammer and the Sun City Project. And, you know, uh, I wish I could have done both. And, and when you really go back, because I never I never look back. I really don't. So going back and really transporting myself back there, uh, you know, you realize uh, there's no way you could have done both. You know, yeah. really, there's, there's no way. And I thought for many years, uh, really up until, you know, whatever, a year ago, that I was really fucking with destiny. You know, I thought, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm going against what I was meant to do. Mm. And it turns out, I think I was actually fulfilling destiny, you know, and it, 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 it sure didn't feel like that, you know, but, but uh, at the time, but looking back now with some objectivity, you know, uh, I said, I had to say to myself, you really were, you know, you were fulfilling your destiny by doing all these things. And, and I, and I, and I added up the pros and cons in in the book, you know, Mm. you know, uh, and you know, so, so I'm, I'm a little bit easier on my own choices now than I have been for the previous 40 years, you know, which is (laughs) nice. (laughs) And, uh, and uh, feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about the, the things I've done. Yeah. Well, you know what? I feel really good about the things you've done. They bring me a, a lot of pleasure, a lot of comfort, a lot of insight. And your your intention was to put something out there in the book that's useful. And uh, I just yeah. want to tell you that I'm using the shit out of it, brother. Thank you so much. Well, that's good to hear, man. Really, for somebody like you, that's, that's, that means a lot. Thank you, man. Thank uh, you. Best to you and the family. I can't thank you enough for doing this, pal. All right, man. Let's Let's talk more often. I hope so. The ADD interview is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, 
Let's say you're a member of the E Street Band. You're at the top of rock and roll. But you get into one of your big three fights with Bruce Springsteen. You become obsessed with politics. And you're offered a solo deal. And you feel you have to leave. I didn't just change jobs. I literally ended my life. This could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. And you get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Yes, that's for you. You take that. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go, feel better. Hey, baby, this is Stevie Van Zandt, and that was 30 minutes I will never get back. <laughs> well, Adam, you seem to have a really great time. With yeah, him. he was great. He was great. And I re- I'm loving the book, and uh, it was one of my favorite interviews. I got to be honest with you. Well, remember, I was worried because we lost power. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I know you, yeah. Adam's looking forward to this interview and we have no power. Yeah. I was coming home from the gym and she called me. She goes, you got to reschedule your interview. First thing I thought was the dog shit on the board. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Dog chewed a Y or something. I'm like, son of a bitch. I come. She goes, the power's out. I'm like, all right, I can't blame anybody for that. So you know what I did? <laughs> I called Dean, my friend Dean. And I said, you have power? I said, yeah, I'm coming over. Can I use the pool house? I got to talk to Stevie Van Zandt. He went, what? I said, I'll be there in a minute. And we set it all up (laughs) in his pool house. And that's where we did it. So, yeah, I'm glad we pulled it off. But it was great. Dean Slider? Yeah, yeah. He was on the podcast. Yeah, I'm reading his book. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so see, Phil, it's not just me telling you. It's Stevie Van Zandt that change is not a natural thing. Do you feel better about yourself? You know what? I feel better hearing it from Stevie than I do from you. <laughs> yeah, First of all, I was born in Asbury Park, so I love I love Bruce and Stevie, and I was very excited about that interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, you know, I mean, you just wanted to be at that that diner booth with you two talking because it was just he was having such a ball. He was laughing, yeah. and I gotta say, I, I can't agree more about change. I mean, how many times have you guys been in a miserable situation, whether it's an apartment? Or a relationship, marriage, a, a marriage, <laughs> marriages, <laughs> plural, one, two, whatever, divorce yeah. lawyers. I mean, I yeah, I've been in a relationship a long time ago where we fought like cats and dogs, and everyone would be like, "Why don't you just break up?" And he'd be like, "Well, then I'd be single, and I don't know what's gonna happen. The future is gonna be too uncertain, man. I know what I have here, and it's like you stay with something that's making you miserable for fear of the unknown, and it's such a frustrating thing. And when you break through that, that's when exciting things happen. In my yeah, book. Yeah, it's the things you know versus the things you don't know. This is why I stay in a relationship with Adam, because I'm safe being fucked. <laughs> 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 the, and the thing is, I know he loves me, and I, but I just don't know what else is out there. I don't know what else is out there, so I'm staying with him. I'm staying with him. Adam is still blanky. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love you, Phil. I love you, too, you fuck. I love, I'd love you fat. I'd love you skinny. I'd love you dizzy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> delusional, non-delusional. Yes. Well, that's great because I'm all of those things. That's funny. But yeah, you know what? I really enjoyed making him laugh because I'm enjoying his book so much mm-hmm. that, you know, if I can make him laugh, it's like a way of, ah, it's weird. Maybe it's an ego thing with me that I'm giving back to him. Like, thank you. Thank you for the book. 
you know, and I got the audio book and I'm really running around like I'm on a stakeout with little Steven. How freaking cool is that? Very cool. <laughs> and that's, this is the other thing. Change is not natural. OK, so the man does not know who he is. Him and Bruce, Bruce stops listening to him. They're at the height, the, the, the peak of rock and roll. He needs to find himself. So what does he do? He leaves the E Street band. He, he goes to Africa to do something for humanity. When I feel lost, I eat ice cream over the sink and I get fat. <laughs> I was going to go to India. <clears throat> gonna... Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry, Mark. I'm so sorry I talked him out of going to India. <laughs> what? You were going to go like the Beatles, like going on a, like a spiritual quest? Yeah. Yeah. He kept yeah. saying it. And I go and I talked him out of it. He's like, yeah, I'll find myself there. I go, you're going to walk off the plane. It's 120 degrees. Monkeys are going to throw shit at you and they burn the yes. dead. <laughs> I think he was going to do more like a Julia Roberts. You yeah. pray love kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was more that. You know what, Adam? I don't ever say this. You're a moron. You just yeah. wasted years of material. <laughs> I know. Do you realize how many podcasts we missed out on Phil's <laughs> India trip? <laughs> how quick know. would he be back on a plane? Oh, Come oh back are in. you kidding me? He'd walk off there. He's like, my luggage is gone. I have no clothes. And, and I, he'd just turn around. He's like, this was a mistake. <laughs> Out of its comfort zone. Yeah, it's, it's too hot. I don't know what I'm doing. There's no pizza here. Yeah. You talk about the the cojones on on Stevie. Yeah. She's like, that, it's, that's a big and and he's so like I, I'm not the story. You know, there's all this other stuff out there, and was really kind of nonchalant and underplaying what he was involved in. And it's like, no, that's a huge deal yeah. to organize all those. Well, not all the artists, not all the artists. Thank you, uh, Adam. By the way, for pissing off Paul Simon, he's never going to come on the show now. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I, that made Steve laugh when I when I said that about Paul Simon. And he can't say it because he's a gentleman. I don't. Paul Simon's not talking to me now. What the hell do I do? <laughs> he's down with Julio at the schoolyard. He ain't coming here, baby. That's funny. You know what? I'm Just to piss him off, I'm having Art Garfunkel on the show. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have Art Garfunkel on. With his Easter egg head. You ever see Art Garfunkel? Doesn't, his, doesn't Art Garfunkel's head look like an Easter egg sitting in a basket with all the fur around the top? I have no idea. Great. Now Art's not going to come on either. <laughs> yeah. Part of the message would change was is what Stevie said. He's like, you just you just can't be. You have to become what he was saying. Like Bobby Zimmerman, you know, Bob Dylan's like, look, I'm in the wrong place, born to the wrong parents at the wrong time. And I'm going to change this shit. And that's what. He said the art form, what rock and roll demands when I because I meant what I said when little Richard, he articulated what I feel when I hear little Richard out comes liberation. It's like you hear little Richard, just the beginning of Long Tall Sally. God, it's just that's like the alarm bell going off. Well, yeah. Adam, you can't do anything unless you are secure with who you are. And he seems to be that he seems to be born like that. Yeah, he said he had all that love around him and he always felt the sense that he would be all right. And I said, you know, I, I I've had it around me too. look. I'm very for Look, I love everybody. You guys are my family. My family loved me. I was well taken care of. But still, I got the I can't accept this. This isn't real. The self-esteem thing, whatever it was. And yeah, Stevie said right. he didn't think that was it. He's like, look, I'm not when I look in the mirror, I'm not. Well, look at this thing we have here. This yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. I how yeah. I how that. that. I, yeah. Wasn't that fun? That. I heard that yeah. and I thought, hmm, maybe it's because you don't trust it, Adam. I that's probably it. 
<laughs> well, what he said was, you know, I'm not crazy about myself. He even said that mm-hmm. like at, in, in the present tense. And so looking in the mirror and, and being comfortable with who you see in there, that's what I strive for. Cause I'm still not, mm-hmm. there. you know, even though I'm down to 168, did I mention that? Yes, you did. Okay. And you look good. You look good. I w- you do. I'm looking at you right now. I'm, I'd make a few changes, but for the most part, you look good. You know what? Change isn't, isn't natural, Adam. Just changes. There you natural. go. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But no, you know what else he said that I really, re- really resonated with me? And it, it's such a simplistic thing. Decide who you want to be and go be it. He said that too. Like that mm-hmm. is like, it gets, mm-hmm. it doesn't get any more simple than that. Decide who you want to be and go be it. Take the action yeah. and make it happen. Because it's one thing to just sort of like verbal, like and say that in your head, oh, I want to be a better person. I want to do this or that. You got to go ahead and be that person to actualize those thoughts. That's the crux of being somebody great and somebody that sits on your couch thinking about being great. Well, that's what I thought when he said that it's so hard to be great because of all the distractions in mm-hmm. life and yeah. how there's so much mediocrity because of that, you know, yeah. because we don't have time. It's like we're all doing quickies. Mm-hmm. You know, like emotional quickies and it's like instant gratification instead of completely focusing on what you need to do to achieve that greatness. Or taking action to do something. Most people just talk about it. They never do it. And making an empowered choice. Other people, here's a trap I used to fall into was, uh, oh, okay, I'll do this for you. And then you'll do this for me to get what I want. Then you got to make an empowered choice. Like this is what I want to do. I'm not relying Mm -hmm. on anybody else and I'm going to do it. And that's where I learned for lack of a better word, integrity from my dad, integrity, my definition being what you say, think, feel, and do all line up. Cause that way when things don't Mm -hmm. work out, at least I'm not kicking myself. I'm like, look, I gave it my best shot. Yeah. I didn't see that. And I learned better, but this was the best shot I had with this situation. And that kind of helps me deal with um, regret. Yeah, Mark. I thought your dad said, never tell the cops nothing and don't rat on your friends. That's what he said that, too. But they're two different things. They're not just. <laughs> yeah. He did say both. He said yeah. that and Andy Reid's always good after a bye. Take Kansas City. Yeah, he is. Yeah. 22 and That's six hilarious. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart you know what? Man, Joe Ferrara. You know what else I really admire about him that he's like, I mean, we're all anti-bully, obviously, but he's really like anti-bully. Like, I didn't know that yeah. about him. And when you were talking about, first of all, what a great interview, Adam. And, um, you know, to bring out a lot of stuff that uh, really uh, resonated, that, that I resonated with. But um, the fact that he he had a difficult time with that Adriana scene because he's oh. a bully and he hates guys who do that kind of stuff. Like he had to grab her by the hair and drag her out of the car. That was like, that blew me away, that part. You, you know, Adam, mm. I noticed I, I went to your TikTok and I saw that your video of the bully bit. Mm-hmm. That got so many views, which said to me that it resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how you overcame it. We're in that situation, whether we like it or not, sometimes. Yeah, it's true. It, it's on my new special, which is called It's Scary in Here, which you can see on YouTube. Please go and give a brother a thumbs up. Actually, um, it's free. So it's and, and it's free. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that helped me just just to tell that story kind of helped me. And I got a lot of nice uh, emails and, uh, and feedback on doing it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, look, I didn't drive a stake through the heart of apartheid, but I did. I helped a little bit. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. And Phil, you talk about that scene. We're talking about that scene with Adriana. Yeah. That is the most powerful scene in that entire show. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. I went and watched that whole series again during the pandemic. I couldn't watch that scene. 
It was yeah. so it impacted me in such a huge way. That's how well he played it. That's how well she played it. And the moment I was like, can't do it. I can't do it. I'm a fast forward where they're talking about it after the fact. I just can't watch it. Yeah, it, but and that's how good he is. I mean, if something's that hard to watch, which means like this is way too friggin real for me. Yeah. And yeah. he's not even <clears throat> excuse me. And he's not even, as he would say, a trained actor. He and his this is what an in touch guy he is with himself. I can't take this job, David Chase. Then I'm going to take food <laughs> off of somebody else's table as a real yeah, actor. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. It's like you're getting offered this part. Who else would turn that down? I know I wouldn't. I'd, I'd like step over everybody to get that role. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to walk my dog and, you know, life, life will go on. You know, yeah. it's, it's just amazing to me. Yeah. He came up with the Silvio Dante care. Like, that's all him. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Didn't They're like, have. oh, yeah, we'll just. We'll just horseshoe this guy right into the uh, into the script. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And to David Chase's credit, he goes, OK, I'll write you a part that doesn't exist. So you're not taking it from another actor. I'll be honest right. with you. If they offered me that part, they, they could say, listen, you or your mother could play this part. I'd hip check my mother and I would pick <laughs> her up in the knee. I'd, look, I'd, I'd pick her up afterwards and say, I'm sorry, but I'm taking this part. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and I like the fact that he was arguing with David Chase over the last song. I know. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. And he had choices, too. I was like, ah, that's that's a nice relationship when you can have that conversation with the showrunner. You know, I mean, you guys, I tried to do that on this show, but I'm like, nah, I, we got to mess with Phil. That's our bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. I just I'd like to go in other directions, but Phil makes me laugh. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, Adam, I feel safe with that. That's why I stay in it. <laughs> yes, you get well. Yeah, it's it's you'd rather choose unhappiness over uncertainty, Phil. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's the hallmark know, Adam, moment. Yeah, baby. I thought that choice of the song at mm -hmm. the end was so out of the box. You know, it was so weird. But then I uh, looked at the lyrics. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. Yeah. For the ending, took the midnight train going nowhere. Yeah. Smell oh, of yeah. wine and cheap perfume up and yeah. down the boulevard. Everybody wants a thrill kind of like explains the whole show. Yeah. Well, well and I, just, I love that. He said, I love that. He said, that's the song that Tony would have picked out. Like he was a true. classic rock guy. Right. That's I know this character better than anybody because I created him. It's kind mm. of hard to argue with that, even though I loved all of Stevie's choices. I was like, ooh, that would have been an interesting one. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I only knew one of the choices. I, I was nodding my head because I, mm, 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 I only knew <laughs> yeah, I didn't know him either. But <laughs> see, plus, what, yeah. As, right. a, as a writer, though, looking at the scene itself, the song is almost I'm not going to say the song is irrelevant or that it doesn't matter because it does. But it's all about the moment, the blackout. Does Tony live or die? Because that opens up the possibility for Tony to come back again. So that's what the moment was about. You know what I mean? Did you have a problem with that? It ended with a cliffhanger like we don't know. Does Tony live or die? Did you have a problem with that? No, I, I thought my cable went out because it just went to black. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Me too. I think yeah. everybody thought that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what? No, but having but when, having like analyzed it afterwards, it was an okay way to end the show, right? Does he is he dead or alive? I did I didn't go to if it's dead or alive. I went to that's the uncertainty of that life. At yes. any minute, boom, yes. wow. you're gonna get knocked out. That's yeah, where that's I good. went. And for what it did for me was it illustrated the fragility of human existence and to make the best out of the time we have now, because at any minute it can go away. That's why, Phil, get x-rayed. There could be a head tumor. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, look, I just I want you to enjoy the moment. And, and, and even even if you're upset in the moment, please know that I'm enjoying it. So that's at least... <laughs> 
and I really enjoyed. At least you have that, Phil. Yes, I cannot thank Steve Van Zandt enough for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to him, and I highly recommend uh, his book, Unrequited Infatuations. Honey, if they want to get all of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, the show's growing and you're helping. Please tell somebody you love about the show. And thank you so much for watching my special on YouTube. Uh, if you get a chance to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And please remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. But you still listen to him, you dopey idiot.